Welcome to ShareHouse, where you'll discover tips, trends, and takeaways from top product and e-commerce experts. We'll talk about it all, from product design to product sales, e-commerce to retail, and operations to marketing. Join your hosts, Emerson Hammer and Russell Steed. Welcome back to the ShareHouse. If you are looking for everything or anything e-commerce, whether you're just getting started out in e-commerce or you're part of a big brand and just wanting to level up your own career within the e-commerce industry, you are in the right place. This is where we're going to be talking about all those things. Our guest today is Brayden with Launch Fulfillment. He's got tons of experience when it comes to 3PLs. He actually owns his own 3PL. So today we're going to talk a little bit about his own journey starting his business and then kind of dive into how to work with 3PLs, when it makes sense, and, and how to really get the most value out of them. So without further ado, Braden, can you give us a little intro to yourself? Sure thing. So my, my background has been primarily in sales. I, I started uh, obviously in call centers, door to door, a lot of your, your basic consumer sales, and then slowly transitioned into a, a B2B sales opportunity. So uh, after I got out of that door to door world, I, I moved to a company here in Utah called Traco Packaging. Um, and actually worked to, to manage their sales division uh, for, for the entire state of Utah. So our main goal as a company was to sell uh, custom and, and stock packaging to uh, mostly consumer goods, wholesale companies, manufacturers, and anything that had to deal with the product industry. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the companies that I ended up working with there were 3PL-based clients. Uh, or e-commerce businesses. So really that's where I, I got my first taste of, of how heavily the e-commerce world is growing and, and how aggressively uh, things are shifting away from this retail focus into an online uh, department. So ultimately that that's what led to starting this business. Gotcha, so you first started supplying the 3PLs with their, their product or their their materials, then you're like, nah, I'm just going to do the whole thing. I'm going to do the fulfillment. Huh? So you kind of swooped on your competition, huh? <laughs> yes, I did. And, you know, some of them didn't like that, but I, I've tried to be respectful <laughs> and, you know, keep keep their clients uh, as theirs and, and grow a business uh, on our own two legs. So now how, how long have you guys been in business or how long have you been doing your fulfillment? So we've been officially in business for three years. We really have been, have been actively uh, working for about two years. So, uh, we've had two full revenue years, and then we had some trailing months uh, just before that. Cool. That's awesome. So I guess kind of that, that transition, maybe walk me through that. You were selling packaging, and then you got into the fulfillment business. Um, mm -hmm. So you're doing pig pack and ship and storage, I'm assuming, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, what I guess, was there like a green light that you're like, oh, I want to get into being a 3PL or get into fulfillment? Or how did that like transition go from box salesman to... Mm -hmm being into the fulfillment, I guess. I, I always wanted to start a business. That that was never a question. And I was always looking for the right opportunity. Um, I actually had, they call it the entrepreneur uh, push and the pull, right? So you, the pull is this desire to want to start something and the push is what ultimately forces you out the door. And, and to kind of keep things quick, I, I had a commission check that, that should have been much higher than it was. Um, and, uh, once that event kind of happened, I said, you know what? I'm just not happy, right? I, I want to go out. I want to be able to control these types of things. I want to be able to grow a business uh, and have that guidance and direction. So I, I was actually approached by one of my clients to buy their very small fulfillment center. Hmm. Uh, they were asking an astronomical price, uh, something not even in the ballpark of what the thing was worth. 
Um, but it, it wet my whistle just enough to where I said, you know what, this is, this is what I want to do. And so I actually approached uh, some of my other clients that were manufacturers they they make cosmetics they're a company called dynamic blending here in utah mm -hmm. and i said hey guys you know I'm, I'm thinking about starting this fulfillment center and, and would you guys look at investing and, and being our partners and they said absolutely so ultimately that that was the push that that took me out of uh traco and and led me to to starting this company here well, that's that's interesting. I, I love to hear that that experience of like what takes you into or what took you into your own entrepreneurial journey because I feel like a lot of the the listeners that we have out there, it's the same thing. Like they they were either in another job or they had this idea and they they had this kind of pull. They wanted to get into the entrepreneurial uh, world, and then you know the, for whatever reason they they decided to develop that product. They decided to actually start that website or or start whatever and and kind of start this journey. And so it's it's cool to see, you know, a lot of our listeners have done it with a product-based business, but you did it with kind of a service-based business that helps product-based businesses. So it's it, there's just there's so much opportunity out there, especially in e-commerce like every aspect. There's there's a way to to start your own business and and uh, and be successful. So that's that's awesome. I love to hear that. And you have to strike it when the hammer's hot. I think if I had waited, mm -hmm. I probably would have lost interest eventually and, and just fell yeah. back into my comfortable lifestyle. And, you know, I was making good money and, and uh, I have a daughter full time and and house and all these uh, responsibilities. But since that decision, I've, I've never looked back and I, I will never work for someone again. So <laughs> yeah. your mentality. would tell us, like, I guess um, just and this is a little bit off of maybe what we were going to talk about, but I'm just kind of curious when you made that jump, like, was it like a full on, like, I'm going to have no income for a minute or was it like a, Hey, I'm jumping into this. I got a few clients. Like how scary was it? And, and, and uh, how long before you felt like you really kind of had your feet under you? Yeah, we, I mean, we've had, thankfully we've been blessed with some pretty, pretty strong growth. Um, when I left that, uh, when I left my last company, I, I sat back and said, all right, how are we going to fund this? Right. Three PLs require a lot of startup capital. Um, mm -hmm. And so thankfully the business partners we had, they loaned us a hundred thousand dollars at a 12% interest rate. Right. So you pay for it. Yeah. Uh, but they also allowed us to use their warehouses, forklifts, other things like that. So we could get, so we could get on our feet. Um, ultimately that's when I brought in my other business partner, Josh, um, and in our first year, our first full year of revenue, we went from about uh, 20000 to to a million dollars. And then in our second full year of revenue, we went from a million dollars up to about $4.2 million. Wow. And then, you know, this year we're already pacing that $8 million uh, range. So, awesome. you know, we, we've seen some aggressive growth. But to your, to your last question, I really didn't feel like we were financially stable until maybe earlier 2021, you know, it, yeah. you're always kind of in that point of, man, we're, we're putting 50,000 into racking and 30,000 into an AC and then a hundred thousand into this and this. So we were, we were able to actually fund ourselves and, and accomplish everything that we've wanted to accomplish, thankfully off of our own profits. And, and really we've only ever raised about $150,000. So that's amazing. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah, that's that's a wild journey, and that's you know something to that effect of, of a lot of entrepreneurs out there. So it's it's really cool to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Work hard and find the right space, and it'll work out. So yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. So I guess maybe kind of going back to that that transition and kind of where you guys started to where you're at now. There's obviously there's there's a lot of three PLs out there, um, a lot of fulfillment centers, um, 
guess for you guys, when you guys started your fulfillment center, what was something you guys kind of focused on? Is there like a differentiator or something you guys kind of pride yourself on? Um, or kind of a little bit about that kind of, uh, I guess maybe take a step back. If you kind of go over what a 3PL is, what a 3PL does, and then kind of what you guys do, kind of walk us through that, that process for those that may not be as familiar with what a 3PL is. Yeah, so 3PL stands for third-party logistics, right? So you want to go out and start an e-commerce business, but you don't want to deal with all the, the hassle and the, the fear involved with shipping, right? So we when we got into the market, we looked at, at what things were going on, and we said there, there are a lot of small e-commerce businesses popping up, and a lot of these, these people that are starting these companies have no idea about shipping or logistics and, and it's the hundred or the the ten thousand pound elephant in the room you know so our main focus has been twofold first we wanted to be an end-to-end solution since the beginning we our our vision has always been uh, manufacturer to customer shipping so we take care of everything from import and export you know domestic wow. shipping so pallet mm-hmm. shipping and then obviously we have three warehouses here in Utah that, that handles our e-commerce fulfillment and then we're opening up a Nashville facility. So so way more than just a 3PL. You're talking like freight, like moving exactly. freight and that kind of stuff. Yep, so we, we do a lot of everything. And, and again, we've come to clients and said, hey, you know what? Uh, we understand that this is scary, but let us do this for you. You know, Let let us take that, that burden off of your plate um, and, and then we have the customer service backing to make sure that these clients are satisfied. So those have been our two major differentiating factors. And, and there's some other companies that do that, but most fulfillment centers you see, they just want to do fulfillment. Yeah, I would say that's a huge uh, value add and I haven't heard too much of, of, of a 3PL managing freight um, mm-hmm. in, in general. So usually it's like, from what I've seen in my experiences, a 3PL will mostly do, they want to pick, pack and ship, get the order out, and once yep. it's out, it's it's out. But as far as doing uh, freight um, and stuff like that, import export, um, that's that's a unique product offering. So that's that's great that you're able to identify that need and that niche um, in your in your space. So I think that's that's amazing. Yeah, uh, and I I think also for the startups, you know, the the product based startups, they focus so much on the product and maybe getting it manufactured, but then they don't put a whole lot of thought in like, I remember, so I started a business, you know, this is probably six, seven years ago. We did a Kickstarter launch, you know, we designed the product, we got manufacturers, you know, it was all great. But then when it came to like actually importing it, I was like, I asked our, our factory, like, um, okay, so how do I do this? You know, (laughs) and then they, they started saying like, well, just use this freight forwarder. And I started talking to a freight forwarder. And they're like, okay, so you need like a uh, Emerson. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a, a customs bond. Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, j- just tell me what I need, and like, let's get it. And yeah. it was just like, it was just something that you you don't think it's not the sexy part of business, right? Mm-hmm. It's the part that it's like it just needs to happen, and it's like whatever needs to happen, make it happen. And then I just want to go sell this product, and and uh, that was the, I learned a, a, some hard lessons there. But I think that's a similar journey for most startup product based businesses. Yeah, so, we have a lot of people in your position that that we're able to approach and say, we will handle it for you. You know, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. be the importer of record. We'll act, you know, we'll deal with all of these bonds and other things that are scary. Um, and we'll make it easy. You know, that has always been our vision and our goal is make shipping and logistics easy for our clients. That's awesome. Well, it's kind of interesting. I, I went to school for supply chain, so I major in supply chain management. And, uh, I don't really, like supply chain management in general, they don't talk about shipping, at least not my, my major. It was more just like, you know, running lean, Six Sigma, stuff like that. And 
when I started getting into fulfillment and logistics, I thought it was like you just put a stamp on it. I was like, how many stamps you got to put on this product? Let's ship it out, you know? Like, how is this a complicated process, you know? <laughs> and uh, once you start moving into order volume, you're going to realize, like, oh, there's a lot, like, that goes into it. Once you have more SKUs, um, and as you grow, there's a lot of pain points in that. Once you kind of take your your, your brand or your product, for me to, once you transition from being a product business to being a brand, um, there's a whole different thing when you're just like, like most entrepreneurs start off, maybe they have an idea of a product and they have more product offerings and they get into understanding like what SKUs are, getting registered barcodes, getting registered GS1, um, working with the 3PL, the processes of properly labeling your products, you know, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So it's interesting. There's a, a lot that goes into fulfillment. Um, that on the outside, you just think, oh, Amazon is amazing. It's super simple. They just put stuff in a box. Um, I mean, that's definitely very like, simplified. There's a lot that goes into managing inventory, um, making sure inventory doesn't get lost, making sure that uh, it arrives on time is where you need it to be. So that's uh, um, there's a lot of value in a 3PL or working with a, a partner that, that understands all those intricacies. Um, that Kind of like Russell said when he started off, like, you don't know about needing a customs bond. You think, hey, I'm just going to call FedEx and say, hey, ship it from Asia. And they're like, oh, frick, air freight's expensive. We probably better put this on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> we, air freighted, we air freighted half our shipment, and then the other half we, we did by boat. And, I, I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, you don't just – you don't think of those things. You're like, oh, sure, air it. It's here a lot faster. And then you spend, like, ten times yeah, more. Five, five times, six times the amount. And hey, yeah. I think anyone can figure out how to ship one order a day. But it's when you get to 100 orders a day. It's when you get mm-hmm. to 1,000 orders a day. Uh, to your point, Russell, that that's when it becomes very difficult, um, yeah. and and that's how your business has to scale if you're an e-commerce company. So it's a hurdle you're going to have to get over. So kind of on that 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 side of stuff, what is an ideal client for either for for you guys or as a three PL in general? Like when should a company look to either outsource that or when um, to a three PL? Or is it like is always the great answer for a three PL? Or what does that kind of look like? What kind of companies do you guys try to target and work with? So it is not always the right time to work with a 3PL, and, and I'll say that. You know, you, you can lean on somebody to handle your logistics uh, for domestic freight and import, but 3PLs, there tends to be a cost attached that has to be worth it for the client. And and a good spot for us in that where we say, hey, you know what, I, I think you're a good fit, is 20 to 30 plus orders per day and then an inventory amount that really doesn't exceed 15 to 20 pallets right because if you're if you're above that your storage costs eat up whatever margin you have within your product so it's important that you really make sure that you're ready to to get to that point um now we're 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 more than willing to help clients as they're shipping from their own house to ask questions and other things like that but really our golden customers is those guys who have been doing it out of their own house. They're shipping and they're just like, hey, you know what? My wife is getting tired of these pallets stacked up in our garage. Um, you know, we're up to 20, 30 orders a day. It's time that I really offload this and focus on sales and marketing so I can go from 20 or 30 to, you know, 500 orders a day uh, and get my business to the next level. Gotcha. That, that definitely makes sense. Um, kind of speaking on that a little bit more on that maybe is there's different types of shipping. So like, as far as um, like, you can do direct to retail, so mm-hmm. more um, B2B sales versus direct to consumer. Um, in my experience, it's been hard to find, or the, the processes are obviously very different. 
um, when shipping a B2, uh, a B2B versus a D2C customer. Um, what, uh, I'm gonna try to see how I can phrase this question, I guess, um, what would be the reasoning of like, do you need a different type of 3PL that does, hey, we are a direct to consumer um, kind of 3PL, or do you guys kind of specialize in just like, hey, we're gonna ship everything direct to the customer? Or if they have retail orders going somewhere else, what are kind of some of the, I guess, is that a service you guys offer? And second off, if so, um, what are kind of some of the intricacies of someone that is kind of going direct to to retail? Um, some of those pain points that a 3PL might be able to help them with. Yeah. So the first is going to be system. If you, if your 3PL doesn't have a good software system to, to be able to manage things, uh, you're going to have a much more difficult time. So, you know, thankfully we have a, a software system that allows us to manage both uh, B2C orders or business to consumer orders and B2B orders. So uh, orders out to your major wholesalers, Evie Brown and, and Cormark and McLean and, and uh, even to mom and pop shops that just need a couple of cases. Um, the, the main thing you got to watch out for when you're, when you're utilizing a 3PL for both is do they understand how to read and follow routing guides? Right. And, and a routing guide for, for people who don't know is basically a distributor's standards. So they'll say, hey, this this pallet needs to come in with labels on every box. It needs to have the PO numbers listed here. It needs to have a, a packing slip, you know, on the outside in certain locations. If those things aren't done, shipments will get rejected. Uh, they'll get held up. You'll get charged. Um, and all of these things are critical. Uh, again, to growing that business. So we, we do handle both. We have a lot of clients that are very large on the retail side and they're very large on the B2C side. Um, and I love clients like that. You know, we, we handle freight and import export. So that's right, right in our wheelhouse. But the critical piece there is routing guides. How, how well does your 3PL know how to read and follow those routing guides? Is there a way that you can, or that you would recommend like, okay, so somebody's looking for a, um, uh, a three PL. What questions should they ask so that they can better understand? Like, do they have three PL or uh, retail capability? Because we've I've I've worked with warehouses where it's like we start throwing retail orders at them, and it's just like they said they can do it, and then it's like three weeks have passed. They haven't you know they haven't pick packed and shipped any of the pallets. It's, it's like they say one thing, but they can't actually do it. So, what questions can somebody ask when evaluating a three PL to really better understand? Like, yeah these guys don't know what they're doing when it comes to a routing guide or when it comes to, I, to retail. I would just ask them what routing guide standard do you guys follow? Right. Mm-hmm. And if they can give you a present and answer uh, right off hand, then, uh, then you know, okay, these guys have dealt with in the past. Mm-hmm. For instance, we use the McLean standard, right? McLean mm-hmm. tends to be one of the strictest uh, distributors in the industry. And so if you're following the McLean standard, you tend to cover all of the routing requirements that Evie Brown and Cormark and, and UNFI and, and some of these other major guys are gonna need. So that, that would be the first question, because I, I guarantee you're gonna come up and ask a 3PL, do you guys ship wholesale? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. We, oh, we yeah, they're all gonna say yes. Yeah, yeah they, they're probably talking, we'll ship a couple cases out to you know this strip mart uh, store here, which is not a bad thing. But there's a difference between being able to ship to a small store and being able to ship to a major uh, national or international distributor. Yeah, I think that's something that definitely gets overlooked. Again, kind of, it's it's so funny in business how something so simple can be so complicated mm-hmm. and complex. Um, and be expensive too. Like down the road, you, you're in with a 3PL, you're not switching that overnight and nope. you can't get your retail orders out. So you're ruin, you're burning your relationships mm-hmm. and it just can, it can cause a lot of issues. Yeah. yeah. It's a I, 
I think the 3PL industry is in general is a very interesting um, <laughs> space because there's so there's a there's, I mean you guys definitely have competition. There's a lot of like in Utah, for example, there's a lot of a lot of 3PLs. Um, I, I would kind of I guess maybe bash on the industry. There's a lot of bad 3PLs though out there. Mm-hmm. Of, kind of a lot of people like oh how hard is it to put a label on something? How hard is it to ship? But kind of he says like having the software and the tech and processes in place um, is is huge. Um, but at the same time, I've I've kind of experienced with brands is sometimes they oversimplify the processes of working with their 3PL, um, and I feel like a lot of brands maybe have that lack of communication with their 3PL possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe if you want to kind of speak on some of that stuff, like what are maybe the pain points from your side of being a 3PL and working with brands? What are some of the pain points or some of the common errors or or inefficiencies that you you see working with with your brands and your customers? Yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing for anybody who's looking to work with a 3PL is to keep in mind that the 3PL is like your warehouse, right? They are not your front office and your warehouse. Mm-hmm. So you still have to manage your business regardless of the fact that a 3PL is is taking things over. So where we run into the most, uh, I guess you could say, friction with our clients is when they expect us to do things that are their responsibility, Right. And, and so we've had to be very clear and, and very crystal on, on, hey, guys, here are your responsibilities. If you're seeing orders that are not fulfillable for a few days, we're dealing with thousands of orders a day. We, we may or may not catch that, uh, whereas your dashboard has, has your orders specifically, and, and it's much easier for you as a client to be able to catch that. So the, the biggest thing I always tell clients is is think of your warehouse or think of your 3PL as your warehouse and you are still the front office. Um, people tend to go, 3PL has it, we're good. Wipe mm-hmm. my hands of it, they'll take care of it. And then they don't look at it until there's an issue that, that arises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I've experienced that too with different clients or brands I've worked with. I think a lot of it is that communication. I think like what you're talking about is like drawing that line, that line in the sand of like your responsibilities, 3PL um, responsibilities. Um, I think kind of bringing that up is like for peak season, for example, um, or when you're doing like a Kickstarter fulfillment. Um, I've seen a lot of brands where they'll be doing a Kickstarter fulfillment and they just ship the product there and all of a sudden there's like 10,000 units that need to be shipped out. They submit the order and like, hey, we need it out this week. Mm-hmm. But they never provide the, the warehouse with a forecast or something like that. Um, and so I, I see stuff like that, a lot of like communication errors, um, yep. like, like that. I'm, I'm assuming you might run into that as, as well. Yeah, um, communication breakdown is is definitely our biggest our biggest struggle. So, yeah. um, I guess maybe on that as well, how um, the three PL I feel like also gets kind of put in an interesting situation where there's um, you're you're kind of, you're, you're the hands on with the product. Um, and usually like most brands, they never see their product and they just, if they, if they work with 3PL, it goes with 3PL, it comes in, it comes out and that's a number in a dashboard to a, to a brand. Um, but when there is an issue, for example, like a rework, say you have a, a product and one of your widgets comes in all scratched up or, or broken or needs some rework to it. Um, is that something as far as whether you guys launch fulfillment, um, doing like special, special projects, is that something you guys kind of take on or is that something you kind of push back to your brand saying, Hey, if you need to rework this you guys kind of rework it or um, what kind of your guys' processes and procedures? I've seen that be a big issue with the companies that I've worked with is, hey, this this product came in broken. We need it. It's a quick fix or it needs a repackaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also takes a lot of time from a 3PL. You, you just want to pick, pack, and ship. So I guess for you guys, how do you guys handle that or what do you think is the best practice if a company gets damaged products that need to be reworked? 
Yeah. It, for I mean, ultimately, it all comes down to cost, right? We, we've established multiple divisions within our company that can manage various things. So we have our e-com pick and pack division, we have our wholesale division, and we have our special projects division. Mm -hmm. um, and all three of those will specialize in certain areas of pain points that we have for clients like you've referenced there. Um, our special projects division tends to be more expensive than what you might get out of a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. But when you add in the cost of shipping to a manufacturer, having them rework everything, shipping back to your 3PL, having all the receiving fees and everything, plus the fees that were involved of you know, putting everything together and shipping it back to the manufacturer. Um, often it can be, it can be, uh, you know, about, about the right balance that you need. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's good to have good communication with your 3PL and it's good to have a 3PL that's willing to work with you. Again, they're your warehouse, right? So you need somebody that, that is willing to do the things that your warehouse would do if, if you had that warehouse in house yourself. No, that's, that's, that's a great point. Um, well, I guess to kind of start start wrapping some stuff up here, um, I think there's been a lot of uh, great information that you've shared and kind of gives some insight into the, the 3PL world and kind of understanding um, everything that's that's going on in, in your guys' world. So thanks for, for sharing all that stuff. Kind of just to kind of spice things up a little bit, you guys are obviously in the service-based industry, um, but dealing with e-com orders, if you kind of start a product-based business, what would you start? Like, what do you think is the next cool thing, next trendy thing, or um, or to make something you just have a passion on, if you had a product-based business, where do you think you would you'd invest your time and resources in? Uh, me, personally, I think VR is sweet. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I would, awesome. I, the startup costs and everything are just insane, but you know, I, I think the stuff they're doing with it is just super cool. Um, but what I always tell, we, we get people that will come and ask us, hey, I want to start a product business, but I don't know what. Um, and just from observation with our clients, what I've seen is, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to completely build a better mousetrap. You can just build a slight variation of a better mousetrap. You know, there's, there's companies here that the supplement industry, for instance, is massive, but you find a company that finds a weird niche in the supplement industry uh, and they make it huge, you know? So find an industry you like, find a slight variation of that industry or niche that you could do and build a, a product-based business around that. And I've seen clients that just, that have blown up just doing something simple like that. That's yeah, awesome. and, and sometimes it's just the way you market it. I mean, yeah. just going after like a specific audience that doesn't have a specific supplement, you know, um, and not to say mountain ops is this way, but they, they just go hard into that. Like, you know, the hunting and the outdoorsman, the, the hunting and they're, they kill it because that, I mean, they were kind of the first into that, into that realm specific to that audience and so uh, yeah i think that's a great great point of view from from what you for you just said absolutely so but i'm I walking by the, the mall one of these days and i see Braden there with the vr headset and those vr lounges <laughs> just going ham <laughs> i might have one in my house uh, uh, <laughs> those, like twirly things when i see all those like circle treadmills or whatever in their house <laughs> Dude, it's, the, it's, it's the future. I was, uh, somebody just sent me a link to how like there are investors spending millions of dollars in the metaverse buying virtual real estate. So, I mean, that's oh, yeah. a whole other discussion, but it's like, <laughs> it's coming. It's awesome. Um, okay. I guess the next question is, um, what's the, what's the best piece of advice you can give someone who's starting, starting a business. Obviously you've gone, gone through that recently, the past couple of years, starting your own business with some, some good, uh, Nuggets you can share with our audience on starting a business. Yeah, I'll, I'll share a piece of advice that honestly changed my uh, entrepreneurship life. 
Uh, I was originally when we started this company again. I, I had a I was making a six figure income at my last job. I was comfortable. I I had a lot of responsibilities that I think I could easily have said, you know what, these things are I can't risk, you know, leaving my daughter homeless and being homeless and all these different things. So my initial goal when I started the business was to have my current business partner Josh be in it full time, uh, and we could pay him a lower salary because he didn't have as many responsibilities, and I would just work. You know, at my current job and just kind of half in, half out, both sides. We went to lunch with a, a entrepreneur here in Utah, kind of a serial entrepreneur. He had started and, and made two businesses public and, and just a just a very solid guy. And we told him our plan and he said, hold on, you're not going to be in the business full time. And I said, well, no, not until we have the, the revenue where it can sustain us both. And he said, your business will not be what you want it to be. He said, if you want a successful business, you need to burn your ships and you need to be full time into that thing. And, and that just like that hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I drained my entire 401k, uh, lived on that for six months, got this loan from our other partners. Uh, and I'm, a, you know, our business would be nowhere near where it is today if we had not followed through on that. So, what I would say is that if you really want to be your own boss and to get out into the market and to start a successful business, you have to take risk. It's just inevitable. If you want to be a, a slow growing, you know, maybe get there someday type of business, then then be half and half. But the guys that I see really succeed are the guys that are totally invested 100% in their business because you will be shocked what one or two people can accomplish when they're full-time focused on their business. That's a, that's a great point. And I, I, I mean, I've personally experienced that where, you know, the, the first four or five businesses that I started, none of them took off because I was kind of going the cheap route. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hire anybody to do that, but I'm not going to step out of my job. And so it was just like, and things didn't get done because I wanted to do it myself and I didn't hire anybody to do it. And I had a day job or whatever, you know, so that, I think that's an amazing, that's a great perspective. So thanks yeah, for sharing that. Not to, not to, you know, put down anybody who's doing the half and half thing. I mean, right. um, but if you goals. want it, it is, it's goals. And if you want it, your business to be not just small, but big, you know, and, and where you want it to be, it takes your mm -hmm. full, it takes full time. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. And then just last to, to wrap it up, what can our audience do for you? What are you looking for? How, how can we help support you? Um, you know, just uh, we're, we're always open to referrals, phone calls, whatever you guys have. We, we'd love to help out wherever we can, but uh, keep starting companies, keep starting e com businesses, you know, keep growing. It's the future. E commerce is where the world will go. Um, and so, you know, keep doing it. Awesome. And then on that, where can, uh, where can our audience reach out to you or where's a, a good spot for them to, to connect? Yeah, good question. I mean, anybody who wants to reach out to me, it's just my first name, B-R-A-D-E-N at launchfulfillment.com. Uh, you know, I had sales up at our company, so I can connect them with another one of our reps. Or our website has an instant chat function, our phone number, uh, a job form, uh, whatever form of communication, any of our social channels. Um, feel free to reach out. And that's just launchfulfillment.com, right? Yep, launchfulfillment.com. Perfect. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Braden. Thanks for, for hopping on with us today, sharing your insights. Maybe we'll have you back in the future as, uh, as uh, VR becomes a bigger thing and you start your own <laughs> VR business. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see, huh? No, yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. 
Be sure to subscribe and visit us at sharehouse.com to join the community today.